This episode is brought to you by NordVPN. Listen up, nerds. No. Good evening, Mr. and Mrs. America, from border to border and coast to coast and all the ships at sea. What? Hello, friends. Do you have a computer? Of course you do, because it's not 1987. Hell, you're listening to this on some kind of computer right now. But do you have a VPN? Oh, (laughs) what's a VPN, you ask? Well, my friend, a VPN is a virtual private network and it offers two key benefits. Enhanced privacy and security online. But VPNs do a lot more than that. VPNs shield your IP address, change your browsing location, and make online life easier. It's all about safety and security, my friends. But, like everything else in life, it's also about watching TV. Don't let your paid subscriptions go to waste. I use NordVPN to access my home content while I'm traveling. Wink, wink. Plus, secure your connection on public Wi-Fi in airports, hotels, cafes, anywhere you go when you're traveling. There's over 6,300 servers in 111 countries, and you can find a nearby server for the best VPN speeds. NordVPN is easy to use. Connect with one click or enable auto-connect for zero-click protection. And it's got amazing speed. NordVPN is one of the fastest VPNs out there. And with just one NordVPN account, you can use it on six devices. It supports every major platform, Windows, Android, iOS, Mac OS, Linux, even Android TV. I think those are all real. Don't miss out on all the awesome benefits for using a VPN. Go to nordvpn.com ifanboy today for a risk-free 30-day money-back guarantee. The link's in the show notes. Once again, that's nordvpn.com ifanboy. This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. Um, you ever feel like you really need to get something off your chest? This is this this is a, like a real thing. Like, if you're mad, if you're upset, if uh, if there's something going on, like the I, there's there's often for me an idea. Maybe it's a wrong. Maybe it's a moment. It's it's an injustice. It's something that because you, you keep going on and on over and over in your mind about it, and like that can create anger and resentment or shame, whatever it is. And very often. I have found, I am not a therapist, I have found that when you let it out, when you give it voice, when you say it out loud, um, sometimes it makes you feel better because you've, you've expressed it. And sometimes it makes you realize like, oh, this is not a big deal that I've, it's been stuck in my head. So you give voice to those things um, and it can make you feel a lot better. And shock of all shocks, therapy is one of those things that can help you do that. It can help you be able to say those things in a place where you don't need to worry about the repercussions of it, work your way through it, uh, figure out coping skills, how to get around it, you know, find, find ways to deal with that stuff instead of letting it fester. Um, if you are thinking of starting therapy, uh, if anything I said sounds familiar, you're like, oh, maybe my life would be a little better if I could deal with that kind of thing. You should give BetterHelp a try. It's fully online. It is convenient, flexible. It is suited to your schedule. That's the idea. That's what they're going for. Um, you can fill out a brief questionnaire to get matched with a licensed therapist. That's a big deal. You can switch therapists at any time for no additional charge. That that personal connection, I believe, to be super important. Again, I'm not a professional. Uh, get it off your chest with BetterHelp. Visit BetterHelp.com slash iFanboy today. You get 10% off your first month. That is BetterHelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash iFanboy. Hopefully you're listening to the iFanboy Pick of the Week podcast episode 376 brought to you by fanboy listeners like you. Welcome to the iFanboy Pick of the Week podcast, episode 376, take five. All you have to do is change it just a little bit, and it makes me laugh now. <laughs> uh, we had a little bit of technical difficulties, but we're doing the show. My name is Connor Kilpatrick, and I'm here with Paul Montgomery. Hello. And Josh Flanagan. Hey, it's... See, listen, <laughs> That's not see, funny. Don't start. <laughs> don't start. At iFanboy.com, we like comics, we read comics, and we can read a bunch of comics. One of us picks the best one, writes about it on the website. We talk about it on the podcast, along with other books of the week and topics of interest... It's a review show, so a quick reminder and a warning. There will be spoilers and plot points discussed, so if you haven't read your books yet, pause and come back. A lot less agita for everyone involved, although the agita level on this end couldn't get much higher. Paul! This is going to be all right. You we're going to turn down the lights? Going to crank up some music, maybe? We haven't had a fight on the show in forever. <laughs> we're not fighting. We're Last good. week, people were like, you guys were arguing. I was like, Pfft. 
<laughs> you don't even know arguing. Okay, let me talk about my pick, all right? All right. All right. There's now part of this, part of this, all right, was, you know, maybe an attempt to, to, to coax out Josh's Tim Meadows impression. Maybe we'll hear a little bit of that sometime. I don't, I don't impress him too much, but... Michael Lark uh, had nothing to do with this book. Unless, <laughs> unless I'm wrong. That's going way back. That's You're confusing a, a lot of that people. Is right. a, that is an insider joke. You have Let's to talk about sex. This is what we're going to talk about. We're going to talk about sex. Sex number one by Joe Casey and Piotr Kowalski. Um, do you trust me? Fake name. I don't know is that's it? true. I don't know. Okay. Joe Casey, it does sound like a fake name. Let's talk about sex. This is uh, the return of Simon Cook to Saturn City. Uh, Simon Cook, kind of like a Bruce Wayne type figure. Very rich, uh, uber rich in charge of a, uh, of a big conglomeration and uh, the Cook Company. And he's returning after a seven-month sabbatical because uh, a woman who is uh, very close to him uh, named Quinn passed away on her deathbed. Quinn asked Simon to stop uh, patrolling the streets of Saturn City as the armored saint, uh, a superhero. So Simon, uh, Simon Cook was a superhero, and he did a lot to clean up the very sleazy streets of Saturn. And he's, he's forced to live his life and actually be a normal person. And he's not so uh, good at that from what we can see in this first issue. And uh, I, I, I don't know. I think we've seen this kind of thing before in terms of a superhero in retirement. But I just thought it was really well-crafted. And I, th- and I think the art is beautiful. And I think there's a whole lot of possibility here. And it wasn't, I mean, for something called sex, it's not... There was sex. As it, it's, I mean, there, there is it's some erotica. It was, it was, it was it, right it, on the touch hole. <laughs> yeah, there's, so there's, you know, maybe I'm desensitized. But. Uh, you know what, though? I, I, it's really easy to, to make jokes about the title and the thing. And, and you know, he, Casey is inviting you to do that. Yeah, oh, yeah. But uh, I was surprised to see that it was the pick, but I was like, all right, yeah, that's, that's interesting. And, and I read it, and I – Casey's work always says something about comics, Without meaning to, and I think uh, I, I really I enjoyed it. It was very subtle, oddly, it, because because the title and the images are so in your face. Everything else about it was really subtle. Um, you pointed out that, that you know they talked about the superhero. But we never see the superhero. It's just it's a thing that's in the pat in the background, which I think is incredibly subversive, really. Yeah. Uh, in a way, in the same way that that you know, everything else about it, it's both subtle and subversive at the t- same time, which uh, is quite a feat, really. It reminded me a lot of Casey's Wildcats 3.0. In, in that this character comes back and he's not a superhero anymore. Now he's in the boardroom, which is what Wildcat 3.0 was, which is what no one wanted and it died. Uh, premature death, which was tragic because it was a great book. But it has that kind of feel to it. it has, and I think, Paul, you mentioned it has a little bit of a Watchmen feel to it. That, um, that I mean, you... I saw that immediately in the book. The colors, especially, yeah. just evoked. When you went, like, so. I, like I said, when you do that page turn to the second and third page, which is you know this big splash of Saturn City, like those towers, like it's just immediately Dave Gibbons to me. And I mean, there's a little bit of of Mobius in there, but I think that's all Mobius through the filter of Dave Gibbons. And I think, and and when you see the old man. That image of the old man felt very, it was like straight out of Watchmen to me. But I don't think it's like a, a pastiche of that. No, I think, and I don't it's, think it's, it's robbing anything. There's a lot of things going on. Um, yeah. You know, that, that's, you know, that's exactly the kind of thing that, that Joe Casey's going to be a student of. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That era in comics specifically and those sort of masters. So seeing elements of that in there isn't surprising if you were to read Godland. You know, there, there's there's Kirby in there. There's right, you know, of course. That's his thing, and those are those are his gods. You know, those are the things that he likes. There's also a little. There's a little bit of Batman in here too, in that the character seems to be very much Batman. Uh, and, and then this is what 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 does Bruce Wayne do if he stops being Batman? And this is he has a hard time adjusting to having to actually go into the work every day and deal with his company and all that stuff. I think there's a lot of interesting things going on here. I wasn't going to read this initially. And then I did, and then way way before Paul had made it to pick, and I, I really quite enjoyed it. I mean, I'm not sure where it's going, what the story's going to be yet, but I'm intrigued enough by what the setup is. And as Paul said, I really like the art from uh, from Peter uh, I have Kowalski. Book, I have the book way far away from it. Peter Kowalski. Yeah. Um, I really quite enjoyed the art. I, I thought the story was interesting, and you know, the sex and the collector's item on the cover. It's all you know. It's, I think Joe's uh, tongue-in-cheek joke about the comics industry, but it's. 
you know, that strip away that stuff. And I thought that the story was really interesting. Yeah, and it was strip away. That's, I almost, I almost wonder if that's like sort of a disservice to the book because I think there's a lot more going on here. And I'm, I was kind of like after reading it through, even though there is, you know, explicit sex going on, I wondered why is this book just called sex? Because I think there is, there's more there. There's so I'm, I'm very reason cu- for it, yeah. I'm very curious to see what you know what what's going on in issue two, and then the 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 uh, the cliffhanger here is he encounters uh, sort of a, a madam or a proprietress of the of this hotel that he was at, where he was you know a voyeur to this sex scene, and he knows her as Annabelle and as uh, what sounds like a superhero or supervillainous name. Is it Silk Sable? Something Shadow like Links. Shadow Links. There you go. Sorry. Like a cat um, of the of the book. It's it sounds yeah. it, it seems to be sort of post superhero, which was a very popular term. It's literally it post superhero. Ten years ago, was it? Yeah. Mm-hmm. So I'm I'm really intrigued, and I wasn't expecting to be in, in in that sense. I'm really happy because I'm always happy to find a, a book that's new and interesting. You know. Yeah, there were there were a lot of really interesting interesting books this week, and um, I had no idea going in like what the pick would be and with this one it didn't it didn't win me over the first read through it was sort of like you know the first time is very kind of awkward and you're just kind of exploring things but then the second time around you know like much more of a, a feel of, for it was very it. fumbling would you say the first it was a little around? bit fumbling um didn't know which way to face <laughs> didn't know <laughs> is it is it this way or is it, no that was didn't the other know. wall the other wall what's How my eye pressure line? to what's... apply to it right you got a paper cut <laughs> I got. I gotta say, like, like in all seriousness, the the sort of John Higgins color scheme is. is I like the it thing a lot. Got me. I get really. It brought me back instantly. To so I was like, I see what we're doing here, and 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 I think that was a, a great visual cue. It creates such an, an atmosphere, and you get such a great sense of of this world, even though we're just being introduced to it. And I like that. Maybe I think in terms, I've I've read a little bit of of Casey's interviews on this, and I think it's it's going to be more about moving forward. And not looking back, mm-hmm. I don't think we're ever going to see the armored scene. Um, that's a good rule for the Bible of the book, I think. Yeah, I, mean, I, th- in I think that sense, this it's is very all about Wildcats three point oh. I mean, that's really what he was doing with that. And there, there's some great mysteries too. I'm, I'm very interested in who Quinn is because um, we we don't explicitly know who that is, and I wondered whether that's maybe his Commissioner Gordon. Quinn is the Dragon Killer. Quinn. <laughs> the old man is very much Killer Croc. I think there's a lot of Batman in here. Yeah, which is interesting. Without, without it being like I, I no, no, I think it being like, it, without it being I think when people see this cover and and see that maybe the synopsis, they might be thinking that that they're looking at like the boys or something. Or it's, it's a sneaky way of telling like us the, the Batman story. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We'll see. It, it, it isn't though. I don't think. No, but there's a lot of things going on here. This yeah. is one of the elements. Can you guys remember a time when uh, Marvel or even a DC or big, big superhero event? came out with basically no buzz on it well like no buzz like zero is that yeah well i don't i don't i don't know if that's my own selective no i mean hearing i tell you something i was in the car today and i was listening to a major rock station and they played a commercial for age of ultron number one not for anything about it was marvel comics age of ultron number one get to your comic store was it like Ultron taking over the airwaves? And no, they were, I mean, they were just talking about it. They were listing off superheroes, and I thought, oh, they're going to try to sell. Like, See, that's what I would have done. I would've the done. Blu-ray, and I was, I was shocked. So there you go. Everybody who's been complaining for years that they don't advertise, they're advertising. Let's Did you immediately throw the car into a high-speed U-turn I, and I drive sw- to the comic store? <laughs> I swerved off the road in shock. <laughs> so Age of Ultron number one, Brian Michael Bendis, Brian Hitch. Uh, this was the story that's been teased for three years now since Avengers, since that timeline we saw crazy future Tony Stark had drawn on the cave wall that said Age of Ultron and everything was leading to that. There's a couple things I liked about this. I didn't love it. I mean, this was, you know, it was, it was, a, it was, it was a comic. It was a solid comic. It was, <laughs> it was a comic, yes. What I did like it was about a it, shiny comic. It's it very chromey I, I looking. I got the I got the Scotty Young babies cover, so I didn't get this chromium chromium one. Okay, there's gonna be a time when we won't remember when there weren't Scotty Young baby covers. Well, honestly, it was just because I didn't want to buy a chromium comic. I couldn't bring myself to do it, and they yeah. were selling the the baby one for the same for a cover price. So I bought that. One. What I did like about this quite a bit was that it, it dropped you in the into the middle of the story. You know, yeah. there's one thing people were complaining about was that it didn't tell you how we got there. And that's kind of the point. The whole point it is, is the point is we open up and things have already gone to shit. 
Yeah. It was very House of M in that yeah. way. And of course, that's, 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 how did we get there? And I like that storytelling device a lot. That's classic Bendis. That's yeah. that's arrived late, leave early. You know, that's. And I like that's I like that. We don't know how they got here. We don't know. We don't know what happened. We don't know a lot of things. We just see we're in the middle of the action, literally, as Hawkeye, you know, fights a bunch of villains to free Peter Parker, who's been trapped. And basically, the story is that somehow, uh, the you know, Ultron's taken over the world, and the heroes are on the run and in hiding, and you know, decimated, and and, and have no hope left, and. You know, they're going to have to get out of that. And I don't know that I'm going to keep reading it or how long. Cause it is a weekly series, but I did quite enjoy this particular chapter of it. I, did like, I do like that. You know, I, I, I like the idea of the heroes being beaten because it's something you see very often, even though they won't end up being beaten in the end. I mm-hmm. like the idea of they have been beaten and now they have to rally because that's the, sort of the classic hero moment um, through the whole series. And I, I, I did like the idea of it. Didn't love the Brian Hitch art so much. No. I, I think I, I might have missed the ferry on the the Brian Hitch craze. Like yeah, that was like right you know, when I came into reading. comics. Yeah. yeah, it was it was pretty spectacular at the time. It, yeah, it, it I mean, I, I, but I've I've even gone back though and looked at some of the stuff that that was from the you know the the high you know the high point of that, and I I don't know it's, it's, it's maybe it's not really, for me. It's really like I think it's really like one of those things where people will talk about great TV shows and then you will go back. And watch the original thing that was supposed to be groundbreaking, and it's it's hard to see it because so much has taken from it since then. It just seems like an also ran version of that. But that's what you guys told me about Goodfellas, but Goodfellas, I did it did hold up. So it's not always, of course, it did. No, it's but if you American, if you watch a modern, if you have a modern person watch like Hill Street Blues, they might sure. find it quaint, but in fact, right. it was completely obliterating the yeah. status quo at the time. And it's just hard, or like to, still all awesome. in the family or something. Yeah, it's like hard that. to see that with modern eyes. But yeah, no. And I think that we're getting to that point with Brian Hitch. I think we're getting to that point with, you know, uh, uh, Cassidy maybe to but a certain even, extent. And yeah, and I think that's true. But even, that's amazing. But even just the storytelling, I thought you know Hitch is what he does is big, sweeping panels, and there's a lot of tiny panels in here. And I really, I felt like confined his art and doesn't do his art a service to, to put him in, you know. So is that a, a script problem? And, well, I just think it's a storytelling problem. I mean, there's one, two, three, four, five, six, seven panels in this page. You know, there's, and they're just, he doesn't draw tiny panels. Who do we blame? We need to know who to blame. Nobody. Just yeah, it's, it's, mar- it's, mar- it's marketing. Confluence you know, it's, it's, it's the okay. idea of putting these two names together. It will go this way. You know, like a long time ago, I heard Bendis say, like, he's not going to work with Tony Harris. This is way before people said they weren't going to work with Tony Harris. But it wouldn't work with him because, you know, Harris does three, four panels a page and that's it. Whereas Bendis is a guy who knows he does a lot of stuff on a page. He does a lot of different panels. So, you know, maybe it was a matchup. I never thought that Ramita Jr. and him clicked on Avengers, whichever Avengers that was, because it just wasn't, didn't seem like the right book for the two of those guys to do together. Maybe yeah. it's that. I, didn't I, I, I need at least another issue, you know. Before yeah. I don't, I don't want to totally cash this off. I'm, I'm not a big fan of the art. I mean, I like, the, I like the concept a lot. Yeah, I think, I'm gonna I, read I the think next it's issue an interesting, for sure. yeah. you know, status quo. But um, it felt to me a lot like a uh, like a free comic book day thing. Like this is the prologue to it, uh, which you've you seen know, a lot, especially issue. from the Marvel Now stuff. Is that the f- the first issue does very much seem like prologue? Well, since they started doing decimal points, you know, like it's. <laughs> yeah. Well, get ready for the AU issues, which are coming out. The, t- right. the tie-ins, so that's fun. Yeah. Las Vegas number one, guys. Yeah, yeah you know what? This was, uh, this was really uh, a nice surprise and, uh, because I think it, it, it's so different than Mind the Gap and it's so different than Return of the Dapper Men. Uh, this is uh, Jim McCann's new book from uh, Image. It's a four-issue miniseries. It's not ongoing. But I, I just didn't know it was going to be. Uh, and, and if you were to tell me that this is the same writer who did you know, Mind the Gap, then I, w- I, wouldn't, I wouldn't believe it you know, if I didn't know it. I thought it was a really nice stretch for him and I thought it was a really nice evolution of Janet Lee's artwork mm-hmm. it, what it, this is it's a, it's a full on futuristic sci-fi story about a like a, like a, a casino space barge I think yeah, it's a barge it's, it's, I was trying it's, it's to it's like a ship it's a floating yeah. casino yeah. and uh, and you know on this ship if you are uh, if, if you are unable to pay your gambling debts uh, then you are put you are pressed into servitude where you are then given a creepy hologram mask which is creepy. Oh yeah. And, and so everybody looks the same, and you can't see that they're they're prisoners and that they're they're kept. And and but on the other side, this is a heist caper. And so the, the you know the guy who's the main character of the book, he's he's got a he's working on a graph to get out of there. And uh, I just I didn't know what to expect from it, and I was I was really I was really pleasantly surprised, and I was happy. It it felt like it felt a lot like you know like if uh, one of those worlds that that shows up on Doctor Who. You know, it's just yeah. There's no doctor no. there to save everything, oh, but this God. is just I'm, the Doctor Who are outnumbered the non-Doctor Who in the show now. 
Yeah. Well, I'm not. I'm really pretty agnostic on who, but I like you know the concept of it being an alien world. There's lots of different aliens there. There's you know it's a whole different set of rules, but it's also sort of oddly familiar. Uh, I I was I was really excited about Lee's art. Mm-hmm. I thought it looks I thought beautiful. It, yeah, and it, it just. Uh, she obviously they won an Eisner for Return of the Dapper Men, but she was still uh, sort of a novice to the comic book storytelling process. And she's come along and she's adapted a lot of, you know, mainstream sort of storytelling techniques. She's been doing a lot of the uh, Victorian adaptations for Marvel. Yeah, the and Jane I, Austen stuff. To her yeah. credit, and, and I just think you know, there's pages that are straight up you know grid storytelling, and then there's pages where she gets to go nuts. And I think that she balanced them really nicely. I love the look of the the scale the scaly reptile alien in the first scene. There's a great texture to the skin. Yep. Uh, it's it was, wonderful. Mm, this was very close to being the pick. Uh, I think it, it ended a little bit abruptly in, in terms of the, the structure of the story. But otherwise, this was, I thought this was really good. And um, I, I, agree. I like the different aliens. I like all the possibilities. I like this, the genre mashup thing where it's, it's a real caper. But then it's, it's, it's also um, not, not space opera, but it's like, you know, it's, it's the Moss Eisley Cantina, you know? Yeah. It's, it's, it's a lot. Like, there's a big world to build on, and I don't know anything about it yet. So I like, I enjoy that. It's very ambitious, I thought. I mean, yes. Um, yes. You know, it's not, it's not saga, because again, it's, it's not a space opera, but it's, it's a smaller story. But the, the world building is, he crams so much in, in here. And there's, you know, there's a little bit that I, like, I kind of wish it, it would have been stretched out a bit more. But I'm still, I was very, very impressed with how many different, really colorful characters, like the, you know, the performer and the, the elk, elk looking thing. And yeah. It's and, really uh, full of imagination, which is, which is really impressive. The gadget guy and uh you know is his friend who you know works the tables and and she kind of doesn't want him to get away get away and because uh, she likes him being there because you know um she's interested so uh it's a it's a, a great cast and um uh, a great voice too so what you know four issues it's it's definitely worth checking out uh, i wrote mm-hmm. a review on the site for it you can go check that out legends of the dark knight number six is the digital first uh, anthology book for batman that a lot of they're getting dc's these getting a lot of interesting creators to work on people you wish they would give regular books to this one i thought was probably the, the strongest one we've seen so far because of the strength of the teams the first team was jeff parker and gabriel hardman doing a very fast-paced batman story this is a they're short, they're short stories so they're not you know obviously going to give you the regular kind of storytelling you're going to get in regular issues uh yeah. then there's the michael avon oming story that he wrote and drew which I really liked a lot. And then there was the um, Justin Jordan and then uh, Juan Jose Rip story, uh, which was very creepy. I really thought this was a solid all the way through. You're getting different kinds of stories here. I like the first and third ones. I like the art in the Oming story. It's, it's Batman versus a dragon. Mm-hmm. And I like that it's sort of a, a very like English-looking like fairy tale kind of dragon. Yeah. Because there's there's all different kinds of ways you can depict a dragon, but this was very much like a you know Saint Saint George and the Dragon um, kind of thing, and uh, I I liked that. Um, I thought that there there are a couple of lines that were like I had they had me rolling my eyes a little bit. Like I, I wasn't huge on the on the on the writing and the narration. Uh, it was it was a little bit pat, a little bit much. The Gabriel Hardman and uh, and Jeff Parker story was great. It's it's mostly I, I would say. A showcase for yeah. for Gabriel Hardman's Batman. How much um, do you want to draw a regular Batman book? So much. I mean, I, I love that th- this kind of anthology thing exists. So we get these. What about to draw a cave? <laughs> <laughs> what's really What's really funny about these anthologies, and, and uh, it's, it's probably going to happen too with the Superman one, is that you know these are the old versions. These are not yeah. the New Fifty Two versions. <laughs> this is not the New Fifty Two. No, it's, um, it's funny that they're they're really focused on on that in there, and it's not just here. It's all the. Almost all the ones that are that are digital. But I mean that that was also even true even you know I mean before the new fifty two where if you if you give someone an anthology and a lot of times these are these are guys that would never get to do the ongoing for some yeah. weird reason they're gonna do like a, a really pure version of the character and right. you know the Batman that everybody knows so it's not you know steeped in today's continuity. No. But again, yeah, it's I mean this is this is. This is Batman from a few years ago. I want a Jeff Parker, Gabe Hartman book, Batman book. Uh, uh, that would be that'd be great. I mean, and and I think you know when they do the Superman book, we're going to want uh, you know a Jeff Parker, Chris Somney Superman book too. Oh, so I mean, all you know, of those good things. that would be. <laughs> Just give, I, I, Jeff, like, give Jeff Parker the DC universe. No matter what he comes up with, it's probably better than what's going on right. Now. 
Josh, did you read it? It fell into my comic blind spot. And I know That's that you warned me about it, but the I, third story was very creepy. It was very. I creepy. like that. That that it's like a no-name villain, and he has a van that he throws people <laughs> in the back of the van, and you never see him again. He's like a disappearer. Yeah. And it's like a just great ghost story, and it's the penguin comes to to the it was, Batman. It was very just, creepy. I was I was not expecting much from it simply just because was, I was yeah, reading it for the first two stories mostly, and I was like, oh, this is good. Mm-hmm. I want to warn everyone, including Josh, that this this episode remarks the return of Archie to the show, and I think Paul and I have been discussing this. Yes, it's going to happen more. We're going to pull out. I have an ally now in the Ar- in, in the Ar- Archie fandom, and uh, we're going to start talking a little bit more Archie. Oh, uh, sugar, sugar! Did you get Did you get your hands on this, Paul, before the show? I, I wasn't able to, okay. but um, Archie six forty one is the Archie meets Glee crossover. It's part one. This is going to be a little ongoing tale for a couple of issues, so it's not your standard Archie, uh, uh, you know, one and done type of gag stories. And Paul, you mentioned on Twitter this week that. That everyone in comics should be as confident in their in their sense of humor as the Archie books. Is that close to what you? Yeah, said? because I think, I think we all have an idea of what the Archie books are, and it's like this this time capsule. But they're also really progressive, and they also play with all the conventions and stuff. And they're they're really tongue in cheek and funny. So yeah, this was particularly funny. This is written by Roberto Aguirre Sacasa, who is a longtime comic writer, also a writer on Glee, also will be the writer of the upcoming. Archie Undead Zombies book, which Paul and I are both very excited for. Afterlife with Archie, very excited. And so this is a crossover between Archie and Glee. And the way it happens is that Archie's resident genius, Dalton, creates a device that opens a portal into the uh, Glee world, which is inside Brittany's locker. And she thinks that Dalton is her imaginary friend who lives in her locker, which was very funny and very spot on with her character. That, that's perfect. And we spent most of the issue with the setup, sort of seeing the similarities between the characters and the two universes, which is actually really quite similar in, in mm-hmm. the, arch, the archetypes. And I wonder if that was in their head when they yeah. created Glee. And so basically, Arch- you know, Glee's getting ready for their, their big competition and the Archie gang has their own battle of the bands happening. And then because of a series of events, the universes get mixed up. So some of the Archie gang ends up in the Glee world. Some of the uh, Glee people end up in the Archie world. And, uh, you know, chaos will ensue. If you're, if you're a fan of either one of them, I thought as someone who is a fan of both, they really, you know, as a writer, a writer for Glee, really got the characters from Glee spot on. And then he... You know, wrote a very funny Archie side. So, uh, if you're into that at all, this is this was very funny. I enjoyed this. Yeah, conference. and I just I I, w- I wish that that some of the other publishers would would like allow themselves to have this much fun with their characters. Yeah, and, and it also allows not, and not just and not just um like push that stuff to j- just digital. Like that's usually yeah. where they do their like experimenting. Their fun stuff. Thing. Yeah. Their fun stuff. Not yeah. Deadly serious books about everything. Right. And this book was also very sort of poking fun at all the, the conventions of both sides. So p- poking fun at the really obviously strange things that happened. But I'm I'm looking forward to picking that up. And uh, the Archie Revolution begins. <laughs> In the meantime, if you want if you want to catch up on the Archie Revolution, you can go to Amazon by going to uh, ifanboy.com/slash/amazon. You can do your shopping there. They got tons of Archie books I had. In fact, I'm I'm going to jump back onto the life of Archie books. So I've, I've I've marked a couple of those trade paperbacks in my wish list as pickups for later so I can catch up on the backstory. But uh, in, in any of the shopping you do at Amazon, you can help out iFanboy. It's really the best way to do it by going to iFanboy.com slash Amazon and you make your purchases as you would normally. It doesn't cost you any money. It just gives a little bit of the pennies that would go to Amazon and puts them in our bank account, which uses to fuel all the cocaine, which is how we keep the, sh- the show going. Not many people know that, but Josh is basically living off cocaine at this point. So go to ifanboy.com slash Amazon, please, to help us out. And I think it's only for U.S. listeners at this point, but uh, we appreciate everyone. Even if you're not in the U.S., just thinking support. Think good thoughts. It's like the, the, the think system in the Music Man. Just think. Also, whoa, okay. Cash in an envelope works. Also, <laughs> bullion. Bullion is nice. Paul, not we got soup, a new book. Not the soup kind. Paul, we got a new book from Oni Press. and Club We Bunch do. Yeah. I don't know about you guys. I love Vikings. Can't get enough of them. Are Vikings the new zombie? Um, I might be. There's I mean, a new show on on TV. The Viking show started this week on History Channel. So the History Channel. Brian yeah. Wood was like, "Well, so they made a Northlanders show." <laughs> <laughs> exactly. So I and I, I miss Northlanders very much. And and but Helheim is uh, it's it's Colin Bunn and Joel Jones and Nick Filardi on uh, colors. And um, this is a fun little romp with Vikings and some zombie action. There's some there's some sorcery, some witches and stuff and. Uh, I, I I like I kind of like the the more 
the, the gravity of Northlanders and this, the more photoreal approach is to this, Vikings. Is this more like swashbuckling? This is that's a that's a really good way to put it. Uh, it's it's very swashbuckling. It's it's a lot of fun, just like um, the Six Gun is. Um, it's 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 very bombastic, and the 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 end of this, it's all about our our hero becoming sort of a, um, an undead uh, slave to this witch. And he's all, like you can see on the cover, he's all scarred up and he's sort of like a Frankenstein's monster kind of thing. And it's just, it's gory, it's messy, it's, uh, it's violent, um, it's a lot of fun. And I just love that, that Viking milieu. So I, I am interested in, in, in following on with this. Uh, the Joelle Jones art, as always, is uh, quite lovely. She's wonderful and the colors are, are wonderful. Yeah, and it's 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 very expressive. It's very because it's so violent, but then also because it's I don't want to say cartoony, but it it feels yeah. like an all ages looking book. I I like that that clash. Yeah, no, I, I know what you're saying. I I, I the the I, I I'm saying I'm agreeing with what you're saying in that the the I like Northlanders and that the supernatural thing on this it bugs me. Because I can I, see that. I, can, I just I, can totally I, I there's like, so I, much of that in comics. I, I'm always appreciative when so that's the thing that I really liked about Northlanders. That was just this is the world we live in and it's compelling enough. Yeah, and even though there were like you know shaman kind of characters in that, it was real world. Yeah, and know? and and you know I, I, this is Colin Bunn's thing. You know, like this is he he's, he does he likes horror books and he likes supernatural stuff and and that's cool and and it's a good book. I just you know like for me, I, I kind we'll of have to see what the I'll have to see what the balance is between the occult stuff and the yeah. the the real world uh, Viking as a gerund uh, thing. So <laughs> we'll see. This is a confusing number. Paul, are you reading Smallville? I'm not. I'm. You know, I'm always behind on the digital stuff. You love it, but you should read it. This one and this issue. I know. I should. Meet grizzled old Jay Garrick. Who wears his saw costume the all the time, apparently, because they just show up at his house and he opens the door wearing it. And they sort of draw him and write him to look like old Clint Eastwood. He didn't look like in that panel, the panel of the week so much. But once they get into his house, he certainly looks like Clint Eastwood a lot. But I love um, Jacob. Uh, they're going really whole hog on, this, on the, the DC mythos in this book. We have lots of glimpses over to Earth 2 where, where Clark was basically Ultraman. He was evil because uh, in, the, in the past storyline, Earth 2, from, uh, Chloe from Earth 2 came to Earth 1 and they got their memories merged and then she, Chloe from Earth 2 died so Chloe from Earth 1 has all her memories and then Barbara Gordon shows That's up convenient. again because Lois needs someone to seduce Otis okay. they're bringing in uh, Martian Manhunter and they're bringing Batman back and they're basically going full on with the stuff they couldn't do on the show into, into this book so uh, it's really fun but you would appreciate for sure the Jake Eric stuff and, and, and this issue Impulse is basically being hounded by the black racer and, and they, they go to Jay for advice and he's all grizzled and doesn't want to help and of course the way it's pointing is he's probably going to end up helping. But uh. I like the costume as much as I, I enjoy uh, uh, Earth Two uh, month to month. Some of those some of those costume redesigns are, I would like this like this would be great. Like you yeah. choose that. Yeah, no, it's it's basically a classic. When they flash back, it's the classic one because they they use that painting in the episode of the cartoon of the, from the comic that they have to throw show them in the old comic costume because that's what they used the oh yeah that's true yeah um, so when they flash back in this to seeing jay in action as a young guy he's wearing the classic you know costume you know, smallville on tv it, it, you know it was a mixed bag from week to week but i think when jeff johns did the uh justice society stuff that was always you know a must watch mm-hmm. yeah that's good so check it out all new x-men eight all of the parts of me keep thinking that I want to stop reading this, but Why? I keep. I it's so much fun. I yeah, I know. I'm 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 saying I'm conditioned historically to not want to read this, but every time I read it, I'm like, it's pretty good. Because of the the filthy mutants, or because it's. I cause it's I really fun? really liked uh, the the angel story specifically. This one, I liked the way it was handled. I liked the way it was drawn. Uh, I thought it was really interesting. I liked the the sort of. They're playing around with with Jean Grey, uh, yeah. you know, and, and and what she's all about at the end, and and I just I like the conflict that's that's set up here. I liked the scene, um, the scene with with uh, them saying what Captain America mm-hmm. and and Beast were arguing about. Kitty and Nice Man was absolutely wonderful. And then when he like you, <laughs> and then when they cut back to him, you hear him say exactly what they just said. I thought I just thought that was fun. It's great because if you actually showed that conversation between Cap and Beast, it would be really dry and exposition-y. I, exactly. And, it was and you, but you still kind of have to get that exposition out 
and to keep everyone up, you know, up uh, yeah. with the progress of but the book. But it makes you but, also really like, you know, Kitty and Bobby. And I think, I don't know if it's just me, but Marquez, I think he's like making step ups. He's, 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 he's no, getting better. I, I thought to myself, Absolutely. as much as I love Eminem, that he doesn't necessarily have to come back to this book. No, I mean, if, if these are the guys who are going to switch off, that's going to be a damn good looking book. And I just, you know, Marquez has been around a while, but not a really long time, but he is getting better all the time. Yes. These, you know, the action sequences in the beginning with the two angels. It's and that's it's beautiful stuff. It's it's well told. It's really it's, there's a lot of complicated actions because mm-hmm. you have you know aerial combat, but uh, but it, it pretty much it, it all traces. Um, then if you and, if yeah. you but if you at the same time then if you look at the acting in that scene we were just talking about, like if you look at the expressions and and posture of uh, Bobby and Kitty, like it's great, yeah. and the way that he's storytelling that. Look at the angles he's choosing, like. It's I'm just, just looking talk. at the at the Hulk in the background of some of these, and it's it's like yeah. priceless. I didn't notice it the first time around. It's uh, really great background stuff, and uh, the, I love the chilling ending. You know, you have yeah. the the angel from the past. Uh, Warren is just freaking out. We shouldn't be seeing this because, you know, all the X Men have gone through so much over the years since that era, but Angel in particular. I mean, there's so many different things that are left unsaid, but it's obvious to mostly because I don't understand them. <laughs> right? I mean, but he's he's this supposed to be, an and you don't have man. to. You don't have to, but you know that this is a. It's like a different iteration yeah. of that person, and um, but then to have Gene come in and you know fix everything and sort of. Uh, um, uh, it's sort of like a identity crisis, you yeah. know. Is you know, is Zatanna doing the mind scrub, and uh, you know, so there's the, the great moral ambiguity to it. And uh, after the the fun of the the middle of the issue, um, to have something like that, it's yep. that's great. It's been it's been very good. Yep, that's what I'm saying. Yeah. Who who is, who at DC hates kids? I was well. This is this is this is the thing. Oh, Animal Man number eighteen. Another kid bites the dust. Cliffy. Cliffy. So, so Boy, this was. This I want to get a haircut. Animal Man 18, Swamp Thing 18 were the wrap ups to the Rot World storyline. Finally, uh, after three or four years, how long has the story been going on? <laughs> it um, feels like it. So these are the final issues. This was also Scott Snyder's final issue on Swamp Thing, but Animal Man was the death, the death of Cliff uh, Baker, the son of Buddy Baker, which not only kids, but sons of superheroes. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, I was. Here's the thing. I think I skipped an issue or two of this, and it didn't feel like it. Yeah, which didn't. is kind of how pointless it got in the middle. Yes, definitely. Um, and and I just was I I I don't want I don't know I didn't want that. I think These, they, I think they go down a very dangerous path and they kill off kids of characters. Yeah, because then yeah. it's a whole psychological hole you're never getting out of, and you know, as a character. And the, the thing is, the whole issue was about, or the whole the whole storyline has been about keeping his kids safe and going after him, and how the wife is like, uh, you know, no more. And and I, I don't, know, I find that stressful. And that's not escapism for me. That's just you know, that's your fears <laughs> being it's like realized. When, you, when I played The Sims, yeah, exactly. And I would get stressed out about cleaning my fake house, and I was <laughs> like, what am I doing? <laughs> I have enough stress to keep my own house clean. Was, Why am I now doing it as entertainment? And I stopped playing at that moment and never played. That's again. exactly the feeling. You you nailed it exactly. And and so because of that, like it's well drawn. It's it's you know it's it's I guess the emotions are, are realistic. I just it's it's not enjoyable. Yeah. Um, um, and for me, I think these these storyline this this storyline started off so strong in both books. Um, but it gets to the point where it's like it's just. I don't want to be that guy who's like it's it's too trippy. I don't like weird stuff. I don't like abstract stuff. Like I because that makes me sound like the Paul Lind from Bye Bye Birdie, and I want to be the Paul Lind from like the Match Game. Like I want to be the zany Paul Lind. Who doesn't want to be and, Paul Lind from Match Game? And uh, and and up for all the the psychedelia and stuff. But like I, I think for me, I just like I, and then you know in Swamp Thing, I mean. It's interesting stuff, but it's just like it's it it gets so abstract, and you get so much into the supernatural and the the avatars and everything, and it's just I need I need to hold on to something that's grounded. Yeah. And although um, I thought that that was what was in Swamp Thing eighteen, I thought it was a very actually, strong capper. The grounding was their love, you know, the love between uh, Swamp Thing and and Abigail, and that that falling apart, and you know maybe them now becoming enemies. This was their last moment of being, you know, lovers, and I thought that was very grounding. I thought this was. A I great like that. Issue. I like that emotional arc. Oh, this I was, think this was one of the best issues I thought of the whole series. I, I agree. I I really enjoyed it. I was like, now that felt like an ending, and and it it was changed from where it started. 
Yeah. Uh, mm-hmm. And I thought that was significant. Yeah. Really, I really liked this issue a lot. It's yeah. a it's a good place to pass the torch to. Mm-hmm. You know, since since he's he's moving on to other things, and it, it totally it's one of those things. Like I feel like uh, the ending of a good arc is when you go, boy, you just screwed the next guy. You yes, know, like and there was a little of that. Yeah. yeah, exactly. Um, which didn't work out so well, but um, we'll see. We'll see what happens with it. I guess. Uh, well, yeah, I, I definitely prefer Swamp Thing over the the Animal Man, Animal Man ending. I'm with you on that. Yeah, I'm. I uh, I'm. I think I'm run. I'm think I'm ending my run with uh, President Captain he's Steve. Still, he's still president. <laughs> Yeah, but they're not really focusing on that so much, and it's getting kind of boring. I I, I stuck along with a while because it was kind of wacky, but now we're just you're getting to the point where when are when Ultimate Comics when when Ultimate Comics comics or whatever the hell they're called Ultimate <laughs> Comics the Ultimate yeah I know but when, when any of the Ultimate line falter for me is when they rely on just slightly reinventing what had been done before and using that as as their that's why X-Men was such a failure as a book. Exactly, because it's just like, here's this version of this character, but it's not really that different, and you're just sort of rehashing those beats. Yeah. And I, it's, that's what it feels like a little bit. They just are introducing, you know, like, like here's what we're doing with Nick Fury. I mean, they've had Nick Fury already, but I don't know. It just, it, yeah, it's Nick, not Wasn't the cover of this issue the old Nick Fury? Yeah, he had, a, he had like a, it was like a disguise. He oh, disguised himself as the old Nick Fury, and he was hanging out with Hydra, and then, you know, the the... Ultimates crashed that party and, and they almost blew his cover and then at the end he's like he took one of the agents he's like I'm going to start a new outfit up called the Howling Commandos like he just thought of that right there and I just, that's, one of, that's one of my biggest pet peeves in like alternate reality stories it's when they fall into that temptation of, of you know wink wink nudge nudge like yep. this is it's like fan service and it's the temptation is obviously there because it's uh, I, you know, a lot of people like it's it's that's what they want because that's what they're familiar sure. with. But I'm way more impressed when you go the complete opposite direction. There was you know the other side of it. There was an introduction of of the Black Knight, uh, Ooh, which was love the Black Knight. a whole different take on it. Mm. So like as an basically as an Iron Man kind of character. Um, so I don't know if that's good or not. But I I, I kind of don't like. I was what I was enjoying about it was how completely wacky it was. Yeah, you really enjoyed the the goofiness of having. Captain yeah. Steve Rogers, America. Yeah, no, the whole United States was was at war with it. It was a civil war going on, and it, like I was like, all right, this is something to play with, and and they cleaned that up really fast. And now it's just you know, you're the president. I know, and I'm giving you the order. That's you know, anyway. you wouldn't be able to do anything with him. He'd be constantly just having to do what he says. Yeah, exactly. And he's got that Captain America's got an attitude. Can the president order you to do anything? If you're not. If you're not in the military, apparently he, he, he can order a drone strike. On All America. right. Okay. Whoa. <laughs> Those are the books we wanted to talk about this week. You go to fanboycom slash comics. You can make your own pull list. Uh, you Pass can also, the cranberry sauce. You can Jeez. also rate and review your, your <laughs> books. And you can select your own pick of the week. So we like to run down the top five picks of the week as chosen by the audience. And Paul, since you are the counterpoint this week, why don't you tell everyone what the audience chose as pick of the week? Okay, number five. Um, this actually just crept in just before we started recording. Sex, uh, sex number one, three point three percent. Four Avengers number seven at uh, eight point three percent. Three Superior Spider-Man number five, eleven point seven percent. Two All New X-Men number eight. Is it? Yes. I'm getting old. Twenty-two point five percent. One Swamp Thing number eighteen, thirty-three point three percent. Exactly one third of you. Joe Swamp Thing, which is interesting, at least at the time of recording. Which that is interesting. Yeah. Because yeah. it was the Snyder book that people were like, taking or leave it. Which is, it, it was worth it. it I mean, or earned Quite it, honestly, looking, looking at the list of books this week, I had no idea what the, you know, the users would pick at, like what they would rally around. Oh, I didn't either. I, I, I didn't even look to late. I was like, oh, interesting. Like I thought maybe All New X-Men or maybe Age of Ultron. I don't know, but. Um, I think, I think yeah. the fervor for the Marvel event has died considerably. Yeah. Well, I mean, they've. Let's knock out some user reviews. Definitely. Uh, Resurrection Flan, set of Mara number three, gave the story a two out of five, and then the art a four out of five, and the pick of the percentage is 0.1%. Okay, look, I'm going to be real here for a second. I'm a big fan of Ming Doyle's art. Ever since she did the wonderful alternate character designs for Project Rooftop a few years ago. Also, I think I'm one of the few people who's still reading and enjoying Brian Wood's massively underrated Ultimate X-Men. Jordi Belair colors everything and colors everything great and has become, quickly become the nitrogen of planet comics atmosphere. It's a science joke. I like that. That's nice. It was, it, was, it was a slow burn. Anyway, that said, this book 
was straight up pitched to me as a sports comic. The logo is volleyball. The sport, first issue had a sports match, and the second issue has a volleyball camp beatdown, but really it ain't at all. It's a slow burn modern superhero origin like we've seen a million times before. I'm really just disappointed about where this story has gone and where it seems to be heading. This is a sports book? Well, she's, she's a volleyball player. I think... There's no way they'd do a sports book. You know it's going to be a superhero adventure story eventually. Right. Well, I think it's, it's more about um, the media and celebrity. And in that sense, I, I find it entertaining. So I'm having fun with it. I'm not head over heels with it. But uh, I think it's a, it's a different way to look at a, at a superhero because she's not out there fighting crime. It's she has superpowers and she's a professional volleyball player. It was kind of different. That's a silly. I don't know. I haven't read the book, but she's a she's a superhero and a professional volleyball player. That's that sounds very silly. No, she's she she has superpowers. She's metahuman. She shouldn't be playing that. She's like it's right. like the guy in mask. Who, well, that's what it's about. Who sort of. was a cyborg who also uses powers to get on the Yankees? Right. Remember that cartoon? exactly. No, did that was that in mask? Yeah. Matt Tracker, Secret Raiders. Yeah, remember, I thought you said remember Mash. the character of Mask who was the who was the, the jock? No, but no. No. I don't one, remember one any of the, of the details. Was, one of the of kids was a jock and he and there was one episode where he, he decided, Which vehicle did he have? I don't he remember which vehicle he had, but he was the jock and he was, one of the episodes he used his he powers the to try out for the Yankees and he hit the ball like six hundred feet and they Did yeah. he have the mask on? No. This is Ray you're talking about radar? M- not mask. You're talking about mask? No, not mask. After mask. Mask. We're talking about Astra. Bees? No, but uh, wait, they had Bees. real powers? I thought they just... No, they were like cybernetic children. No, but I thought they had, like, that was in the mask. They had to put the mask on. Oh, and then wait, they... I'm sorry. This is Bionic 6. What the hell? Bionic 6. Oh, my God. Oh. Wow. I, mean, I, had, I just had a stroke. Everything's fine now. Ordained reviewed Hellboy and Hell number four and get the story of five <laughs> out of five and the art of four <laughs> out of five. And 2.7% of you made your pick of the week. And Ordained says... Hellboy and Hell number four is not your typical comic. Really, the series as a whole isn't typical. It asks the readers what most traditional comics do not, an investment in time and patience, going for the long haul rather than the quick answer. It's a commitment, but it's also absolutely worth it. Story-wise, this issue moves forward major plot threads that have been years in the making. The fate of Edward Gray, the battle of the right hand of doom. Mignola isn't as nuanced a writer as Vaughn or Bendis, but he's telling Hellboy the way he wants to, and for that, I totally respect him. This was, uh, we, we, we talked about the last issue... It's it's a lot of telling, but the they're interesting things. I like seeing the history of Edward Gray. He's a great character, the Witchfinder. So he sort of brings us up to date with that. I don't like the idea that it's because people who read comics aren't used to it. I think that that's a bit of a misguided criticism. I think I agree with you. I I I love other Hellboy stories. This one is just, it's just it sort of missed the mark. I think it's not doing the thing that is the reason that I love the comic in the first place. Right. That's what's weird about it. Mm. Sit there. I just can't okay. believe I messed up masks and Bionic Six. I don't even know what Bionic Six is. Bionic Six was awesome. Know. Bionic Six was about six kids who were bionic and they were all like adopted. They were all different races and they had powers and they put their hands to their wrists to activate their powers. Like Captain Planet. Bionic Six. And then one of them was a jock and he played. Was it game. actually the Yankees? Yes, it was actually the Yankees in the cartoon. You just can't one, get that MLB license anymore. There was just one episode where he went and decided he was going to use his powers and get on it. Is this just a local NYC cartoon? Because no. they did shit like that in the 80s. Bionic Six, man. Were they toys? Yes, they were absolute toys. What about Dino Saucers? That was cool. All right. Enough of you. That, that was probably the 90s when I was in yeah. college. Yeah, it was. So you go to ifanboy.com slash comics. When you can make your pull list, you can rate and review your books, you can make your pick of the week, and you can also write user reviews. They're good. We'll get them on the show, so make them good. And get them in before Friday. Just a tip. Dino saucers. Let's do a couple of emails. Are you singing? Is it, is it going to happen now? We're going to sing? I remember Dino I Riders. I sang. Dino Riders, I do remember. I had a friend who had a sandbox and had all the Dino Riders in there. And then a rain. Dave C. wrote and said, there's been a lot of talk about giving color artists their due credit on the work they do. I'm all for this, but I sometimes have a hard time discerning where the pencils and inks end and the colors begin. I want to give artists full credit for the work they do, but sometimes I have no idea if the color artist added that extra flair or if the penciler added the detail or if it was in the writer's script. The three of you review a lot of comics. Do you ever worry about not giving credit to correct member of the team? Have you gotten better at discerning who does what? Any tips you can share? I always worry about this. I don't know if I've gotten any better. It's I ha- feel guilty all the time. It's hard to know. You don't know, really. <laughs> I think you're being too sensitive. I mean, like, the thing is, it's not your job to know. 
it's the their truth. job to make no it's their well it's our job as a, as a as yeah I'm saying oh, it's as not a, a reader's, you know. reader, but, reader's but, job isn't it? but the thing is as creators it's their job to make a single product so whatever it is that you know that comes and and the the issue of who gets credit for that that really belongs to them that's their problem to work out that's that's marvel's product project to work out you know who gets paid for whatever but you know everybody does it differently i mean that's the thing i think the colorists do a lot more than they do get credit for now I think they do a lot of inkers, production. They do a lot of backgrounds. They do a lot of stuff. You no, know, and depending on the penciler, the inker does a lot sometimes, and other times not as much. Honestly, you know, we've had the colorist renaissance lately. I think where people colorists are getting a lot more due than they did, but I think the the team member getting the least amount of credit is the inker still. Yeah, yeah. I think the inker still doesn't get as much credit as well. The whenever is, I'm whenever I'm not sure, I always think about I think about David over at eleven o'clock, like screaming at me because I know he's a hardcore ink fan and like he kn- he knows inkers. I don't I I don't know if I could name an inker. That I mean, the thing is, they used to. I think they used to have a, a bigger presence than they do now. It's 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 not unlikely that you know professionally the days of the inker are waning. You know because. You know, they're not really even putting in. A lot of people aren't even putting in like a line item for an inker anymore. I don't know. I don't know. That's I do. True. No, I've talked. I've talked to editors. There's. A, there's saying. Well, hold on. Let me, let me tell you why I think that's less true than. I mean, I think. I think certainly a lot of guys are inking their own yes. work or it's being done in production. But there's also a lot of high profile guys that aren't really doing full pencils, and then the inker's no, coming. And that's in. absolutely true. Those are those are finishes, and that's a, like a matter of how they're crediting it. But what I'm saying is, right. when you get into the smaller publishers and things like that, they're going to pay for a page of art. However, that gets done. Yeah, so it's up to the creators just to yeah. split it up. I think that's true. I think a lot of guys, and I notice it a lot more and more. The guys are inking themselves, but I do think there's a lot of high-profile guys who I'm not going to name, but you could probably guess they probably fit in your pocket that don't uh, do as much tight penciling as the inker and they don't have to. does. Uh, you know, for their so. for for their to get their their due. I mean, there's no doubt that there are inkers out there. You know, if you look at my favorite example of this is is Derek Robertson uh, when he's inked by Rodney Ramos. Uh, on it, mm-hmm. like Transmetropolitan versus Derek Robertson anywhere else, it's it's up. And I think and I think that's one reason why I said inkers don't get enough credit because if you really do look at different examples, you can see how different the art turns out. I mean, Derek Robertson's pencils are still Derek Robertson's yes. pencils, but if you look at Transmetropolitan versus the stuff he inks himself, it's a big difference. Mm-hmm. And I think that's why the colorist credit or, renaissance is good, but a lot of guys still. God, need you know to, what? We we uh, didn't talk about Daredevil End of Days this week, but. Bill Sienkiewicz, man. I mean, I know that that's an incredibly obvious thing to say for anybody who knows a thing about comic art, but that dude can ink anything, and it's going to look like Bill Sienkiewicz, and it's going to be gorgeous. Wade Von Graubadger. Fucking A. He's, all right. <laughs> Jonathan Glapian. Yeah. Yes. All right, there we go. I redeem myself a little bit. I still feel bad. Zombox uh, writes good. in and says, I've been reading Courtney Crumrin. I don't like saying this. <laughs> Ongoing book since it started last year. Uh, it struck me how recently how it has become a strong coming of age story dealing with gaining and losing friends, discovery of places, death of loved ones, and the struggles between childlike whimsy against the pressure of the real world. Do you have opinions on the series? Further, what are your favorite coming of age stories in comics? Just to answer the first question very quickly, I've read a little bit of Courtney Crumrin. I do like what I've read, I haven't read enough of it to really comment on it that much. But I thought it would be fun to talk about great coming-of-age stories. I assume there are a lot of them. Because you put this here. Yeah, God, yeah I, I do. So. I do have some. You know, you can, you can look at it a couple different ways. I mean, you can uh, if you want to just look at superhero comics first, there's things like Runaways is actually a really good coming-of-age story. The thing with a great coming-of-age story, it's not just a story about a kid. It's a story about, by, by its very definition, about character development. So great coming-of-age stories end up being just great stories overall because it's got a great arc for the character. So I think of things like Runaways. I was thinking earlier on DC's side, I actually really like that one, um, the Len Wein story, um, DC, uh, it's Legacies. That, that pirate one in the back of the Before Watchmen books? <laughs> no. I know. You could think of the, the kid hanging out at the, uh, you know, the, uh, the newspaper stand, that's sort of a coming-of-age story in a it's, way. It's funny There's because I'm literally looking at my books, like I'm looking at my shelves, and I don't have hardly anything. I got one. I got one. Rust. Yeah, that's sort of, yeah. I just, start, I just started reading It's moving Rust. on very slowly, though. You know what? I would say the closest thing I have, I was looking at sort of my books. I mean, uh, Sandman's got elements of it, I think, but uh, Starman is probably the closest thing to what I have because he starts, he's an adult to the whole thing, yeah, but he starts yes, off yes. as a child and he ends as a... 
uh, I was a well, father. Adult. I mean, yeah, but it's it's more about it's like a mature. He's a mature. Yeah, adult. but it's also about uh, it's about assuming the mantle of his father in a bunch of different ways, right. and that's his his coming of age. Not from from a kid's standpoint, but the thing is, like, you immediately want to go, well, like Ultimate Spider Man. But the thing is, is that that character never grows up, so it's not right. a coming of age story. It's staying. You of know, age. it's kind of kind of is in that in regard. And I haven't read the latest trade yet, but it's on my stack and my bed is is Invincible. In that, where Mark's head yeah. is now. Is much different than what it was when he started. I think you know he's sort of growing up and he doesn't want to be a superhero anymore, which is something you don't normally see in that kind of young superhero tale. To, other than in Starman, but although Starman was sort of in the inverse of that actually. Yeah, so and then it came back. The, the inverse of the the Ultimate Spider-Man thing, where you actually do have a coming of age and it and it does have like an ending, or an ending of a chapter at least. You look at memoir comics. Mm-hmm. So I mean, you mentioned Starman. The same kind of thing happens in Mouse, even. Yeah. Where Art Spiegelman sort of gets to know his father, and then um, what are you in a book club with... or something? What's going on? Whoa, I'm sorry. I just I'm pr- I came prepared. Uh, I haven't read Mouse in so long. I love Mouse. No, I, um, it, it was great when I read it in the '90s. I reviewed it on the site because I came to it late. Uh, Fun Home, Alison Bechtel, um, Stitches, another memoir, Blankets. Uh, yeah, you're gonna. I think you're gonna find those stories much more in the in the non superhero mm-hmm. stories. And, and it almost uh, gets to a point where it's um you're you're doing like a greatest hits of graphic novels because yeah. I think it's a it's a very popular not a not a genre but a, a popular um structure for your story. It's also a pos- popular examination point. I mean people who do memoirs tend to want to examine their life or and that's usually what the life's about, right? It's the, it's the arc of your life and that tends to be a coming of age My story. friend Dahmer, kind of a coming of rage story. Is Lock yeah. and Key that way? Lock and Key? Could you yeah. Lock and Key? The, the kids start off as young and sort of innocent. Definitely. Trial by fire a little, little bit. It's, sort of, it's one of those things that, that ha- yeah, it, it sort of happens in the Very background. Simple. But then when you look at the arc that they've taken from the beginning, they've gone through so many, t- even cosmetically. The characters not, dress. Not and Scott Pilgrim. Not Scott Pilgrim. It's not <laughs> Scott Pilgrim. He doesn't learn no, shit. he doesn't. And that's why we love him. You can email us, contact.ifanboy.com. Uh, any comments, questions, or concerns. Uh, we had to skip the voicemails because we are running late, as always. But you can call us 888-FANBOYS-326-2697 with any if questions. Keep them around 30 seconds. Give us your name and where you're from. And, man, if they're really good, we'll make them. Yeah, ask interesting things. Yeah, that's the thing we can really ask of you. If you like this podcast, you want to listen to some of the other stuff that's going on, you can check out the Make Comics podcast where myself and Andy Schmidt, former editor from IDW and Marvel and current proprietor of comics experience talk about some aspect of making comics we touch on a lot of that colorist inker stuff at time to time if you were to go back through and, and where that stuff is going yeah, that, that actually that question from the email might actually be a good one to discuss in that i we already did the question connor oh, oh we don't listen i know i know <laughs> how about you paul do you have any I'm podcasts for the CD set. yeah we got some splodes coming at yeah. you Really? Got some splodes. Yeah, I, I promise. I'm having some uh, some computer issues. I can't edit audio right now, but I did record a Hulk splode or a book splode talking about Planet Hulk. It's coming soon. But next week we've got our talk splode with Gabriel Hardman and Karina Becco about Star Wars Legacy: Prisoners of the Floating World. I'm very excited for that one. You've given me some <laughs> from the show over. I am, and I'm very. It was great. We talked about Wikipedia and. Um, Falling into the vortex of Wikipedia, which is, you know, like Wikipedia. You, you find something and then you go down the rabbit hole. I cannot wait for that book. It's coming out March 20th. Good stuff. You can, uh, you can go to ifambo.com. To, when that's there, you'll be able to find that. You can find um, Paul's Pick of the Week review. Someday you'll, someday you'll find a Book you, of the Month review. Someday. By the time you hear this show, if it is a Monday, you will have it. <laughs> you knew what I was going to say. Yes, I know. And I have it right here on the desk next to the computer. I, I wrote, just have to write I wrote a review of, uh, of uh, Las Vegas number one. There's all, all the stuff we do there. You guys, you know. You go there. You no. Know, we put a lot stuff. of effort into that. You know. Some stuff. Uh, you can uh, go to ifanboy.com slash about. You can see who the writers be and social networking links and things like that. You can follow us on twitter.com or facebook.com slash ifanboy. That slash goes at the end of either of those uh, to make sure you're keeping up with, with things as they come out. You can watch a clip of Robert Kirkman on the Conan O'Brien show. And I'm just saying. I watched that. It was pretty funny, the whole segment. I feel like, I feel like he, 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 he honed his chops with us. A little bit. A little bit. That's how he was able to feel comfortable in front of the camera. I'm going to take. We certainly asked him harder ball questions. Yeah, oh, I think Conan so. Did. I think so. Harder ball questions. <laughs> no, well, there's I soft ball, hard ball. There's hard ball questions. Hard, I think harder ball is correct, but. Harder ball questions. <laughs> Passers by. 
Listen, email us at contact.fanboy.com. If you, t- if you know the answer to harder ball versus hard ball, <laughs> just, just write them in. Chris Matthews or call would know. 888-FANBOY-326-2697. If you know the difference between harder ball and hard ball and softball okay, and softball ball. And then you can do that and get on the show. And uh, if you dig us, you can write us a review in iTunes, or better yet, tell your friends about us. Introduce your mom to podcasts. Spread the fanboy word. I've been told not to offer any illegal activities as means of doing so. So use your imagination. You Free deviants. drugs. I'm just glad no one threw a computer through my window last yeah. week. Yeah. Whew. We are not able to cover that liability. That's true. So, until next week, which I will not mix up any 80s cartoons, my name is Connor. I'm the Paul. That's what it says in the script. It's a the. I don't know where it came from. I usually like the Batman. You shall be referred okay. to with an article from here on out. So, I. So, you are a Josh. Oh, wow. I'm not, I'm not an unspecific article. <laughs> you're not even, you're N you're not Josh. even a Josh. You the, are a one Josh. One of the Joshes. <laughs> That's, God, that just that ruined my whole sense of self. Oh, I run a DT. I wanna touch your love, your hip bones, your collarbones, and all your other bones, and your happy trail. It's my happy trail.